Good morning, Rock Point Church. It's such a, a pleasure to be here with you this morning. I always count it an honor uh, whenever I have the opportunity to share the Word of God wherever I'm invited to speak. But this morning is, is very special to me because Rock Point has been a tremendous blessing to me and my family. If you've been around Rock Point for any amount of time, you know that this is a missional church, that you guys are kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused, and you're all about advancing the kingdom of God by planting healthy, life-giving churches. Well, my wife and I have the privilege of planting a great church in uh, Prosper, Texas, just north of Frisco, along the 380 corridor. In fact, we'll be having our first service open to the public uh, this Saturday. And I'm so excited about it. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we, we spent the last eight weeks casting vision with our core group, and God's just tremendously blessed the work already. Uh, we had our first interest meeting back in December and just told people what we're about to do. We had about 26 people in attendance, and, uh, and we started our vision casting meeting in January. Uh, in that first meeting, we had uh, a little over 90 people. And then the second week, we had 106. And then the third week, we had 122. So over the last eight weeks, without any advertising, just word of mouth, we're already averaging over 100 people in the last eight weeks. Tomorrow, tomorrow, our direct mail or 15,000 pieces will hit those communities along the 380 corridor. And guess what? Rock Point Church, Rock Point Church, your church actually sponsored that mailer for us, all right? That's, that's absolutely awesome. And uh, so... This is what I believe when you're in the right place at the right time with the right people, the right things will happen for you. And, uh, and I'll say that to let you know that you are in the right place at the right time with the right people and the right things will happen for you, will happen for your family uh, because of the heart of, of your pastor, uh, Pastor Ron, who, who has just taken me under his wing. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about my Rock Point story. Uh, about three years ago, uh, Pastor Ron was visiting churches in the Frisco area. Uh, in fact, he called up a friend and said, man, do you know any, any churches in the Frisco area? It's a Saturday night. And he wanted to check out what other churches were doing. And his friend recommended a church called C3. Well, he ended up coming to the church where I was serving as a pastor, uh, associate pastor at the time, and that church was Celebration Covenant Church. But we called it CCC, not C3. So he drove onto the campus and uh, enjoyed the service. He didn't realize he was at the wrong church. Uh, well, that, that evening it happened, it just so happened that I was speaking that weekend and I was sharing my story. Uh, if you were here last summer, you probably heard my story. I'm originally from Liberia, West Africa. Uh, my family was granted political asylum back in uh, 1993, and my family relocated uh, to, to, uh, to the States. If you've ever seen the movie Blood Diamond or another movie a little less popular, Bruce Willis, it's called uh, uh, Tears of the Sun. Uh, that is my uh, life story. Uh, again, just a, an amazing story of the providence and the provision and the protection of God, how God miraculously brought my brother and I out of the Civil War in Liberia. And uh, I'm you know, honored to say that uh, 17, 18 years later, I'm still kicking. Amen? To the glory of God. Amen? But uh, this Saturday, y'all, uh, can I just be free up here? Is that okay? All right. All right. I feel like I'm with family. I feel like this is a family reunion. Amen. All right. So so this Saturday, this Saturday, we're launching a brand new series and it's based on the great commandment. Uh, Jesus said it this way. Uh, 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 Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your heart. That's vertical. And then he said, uh, the second commandment is like it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. That's horizontal. That's interpersonal. How many of you realize that the vertical is off, right? If the vertical is off, if it's out of alignment, then every other relationship, interpersonal and horizontal, is also out of alignment. Uh, So we're going to teach from the great commandment because Jesus said, the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. I believe that serving God and living for God and being a conduit and a channel of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy is a lot easier than we make it. Jesus said, all we got to figure out, all we have to learn is these two commandments. The Pharisees added 600 plus additional commandments to those two. So we're launching this series that's based on the great commandment, and this is what we're calling it. We're calling it Relation Slips. Intentional play on words. In fact, the, 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 the graphic has uh, the caution sign and it has a guy slipping, right? And uh, the byline to the series is love, lies, and other L words. So we're going to talk about these L words that make some relationships thrive. And we're going to talk about these L words that make some relationships barely survive. And we didn't have to look very far to find the material for that series. Man, we just, we just camped out. We're going to camp out between Genesis 1 and 5. Because in that first family, the dynamics of that first family, we find every relation slip known to man. We find Adam in his relationship to God. We find Adam in his relationship to his wife. We find Adam and Eve in relationship to their children. And we find the first record of sibling rivalry between Cain and Abel. And by chapter 4, guys, by chapter 4, they're already killing each other. Relation slips. I'm so excited about that series because we're going to have an opportunity to share the life-giving truth of God's Word, and we're going to learn how to do relationships well. Not just the horizontal, God and man, but the interpersonal and the horizontal, loving your neighbor as yourself. Man, I'm so excited. It's going to be life-changing. But my assignment this morning is real simple. I have uh, 25 minutes uh, to share a few thoughts with you. I live by this paradigm. Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be asked to speak again. (laughs) Amen. And uh, so I'm going to keep it short and sweet. And uh, hopefully the Spirit of God will minister something to you that will help you this week, uh, that will sustain you. Uh, that'll encourage you. Uh, that's my prayer uh, for you this morning. Uh, I'll be teaching from the text that uh, Tommy read earlier from First Peter chapter two, uh, verses one through ten. I know it's the tradition of this house of this church uh, to read from the NIV, uh, the Na- uh, New International Version of the Bible. Uh, I typically read from the New King James Version. So if you have an NIV, I'm sorry, uh, but I'll be reading from the New King James. Uh, I hope you will embrace the spirit of what is written, even though the words may differ. Uh, But before we look to the word, why don't we look to God in prayer and uh, trust God this morning uh, for some insight and for his wisdom. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your precious holy word and uh, we approach your word this morning with reverence. We thank you, God, for understanding. We thank you, Lord, for insight. We thank you, Lord, for revelation of your word. Thank you, God, that your word declares that it is your word that is a lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. Illuminate our lives now as only you can. We trust you to do it, Father. 
And we thank you that your word will not return unto you void. It will prosper in the thing whereunto it is sent. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, I've chosen for my title this morning, uh, A Peculiar People. A Peculiar People. Because when you get down to verse 9 of that text, it speaks of the fact that God has called us to be a peculiar people. That we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A peculiar people. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say this to him? Man, there's something peculiar about you. I just haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> peculiar. Strange about you. Amen. Well, in the original language, that word peculiar means something pursued, something sought after, something rare, something unique. Wow, that's good news this morning, Rock Point. That when God looks down from heaven and he sees you, he sees something unique, he sees something rare, he sees something worthy of his pursuit, worthy of his affection, worthy of his love. And he didn't just pursue us, church, he purchased us. That means he laid down his life just for you. You ever watch the antique road show? And, and, and people bring their prized possessions and, and things they've held on to for generations and they've cherished and, and they've kept in that secret place and that safe place for, for generations. And, and, and then the, the, uh, the, the experts begin to evaluate these treasures, these antiques, and they begin to tell them how valuable and how precious it is. Uh, well, the same is true uh, for you and for me. That when God looks down from heaven, he sees peculiar people, rare and unique, that the scripture says he has called to show forth his glory. Now, what does that mean? That means that not only are you unique and rare and peculiar and special to God, God wants to flow some things through you. God wants your life to be so attractive that the world desires what you and I have. There's only two kinds of people in the world, right? Those who walk into the room and people say, oh, there you are, and oh, here they come. <laughs> well, God wants you to be the former, right? The kind of person that is attractive. That when people see you, there's something so peculiar and rare about you in the most positive sense that they begin to say, I want what he has. I want what she has. In order to understand that, we have to revisit the text in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. And man, that, that passage is so rich with, with theology. It's so rich with, 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 with the mind of God and the heart of God toward his people that I started to say to myself, well, where do I even start? Because I've only got 25 minutes, right? I want to keep this thing short and sweet, and I want people to walk away maybe with just one nugget. And uh, because I'm a sequential thinker, I had to get some things in order, right? So verse 9, verses 9 and 10, give us the end of God's admonition in this passage. But man, I just want to camp out around the first couple verses, right? Uh, Stephen Covey says, uh, you always start with the end in mind, right? So we know what the end is. God's desire for each of us is that we become so attractive that we're irresistible to our world. That people say 
of us. I want what he has. I want what she has. That's the end in mind. But how do I get there? We know what the destination is, but we have to plot and chart our course. How do I become this person like Jesus who shows forth the glory of God? It starts in verse number one. It says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tested, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now have received mercy. You see, I like to minister in culturally relevant terms. Man, there's a lot there. Even when I read it the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth times, man, I was like, wow. Okay, I've got to simplify this a little bit. So even though I did a a, a pretty thorough study of the text, I wanted to simplify it even further, and I wanted to put it in everyday layman's terms. So guess what I did? I pulled out my message Bible, the the, the paraphrase, ordinary contemporary language. And this is what it says, and this is how it reads. Verse number one, so clean house. All right, remember now, we're, we're this prized possession, we're a peculiar people, but how... How did we get there? First thing Peter says is it begins by cleaning house. And, and, and I'm sure all the ladies can appreciate this because we, we're, we're getting ready for our spring cleaning, right? And, and, and we're going to clean out the closets. And we're going to clean out all the stuff that shouldn't be there. That's maybe been there too long. That we haven't looked at in a while, haven't even used in a while, and it's just there taking up space. And if I'm going to be that attractive person, right, that, that, that represents Christ to my generation and to my world, the first thing I have to be willing to do is clean house. Well, in order to do that, I first have to come to the awareness that my house needs to be cleaned. See, the truth of the matter is the Nile is not just a river in Egypt. No, it's something we deal with daily called denial. Well, sometimes it's a blind spot and we don't recognize that it's there. 
But sometimes we know it's there and we just ignore it. Right? Peter says if we if we're going to become this this attractive people, first I must clean house. Uh, I must make room, I must get rid of the old to make room for the new. Uh, I must enlarge my capacity to receive from God. I believe most of us go through life with a clenched fist, right? And the whole time God is saying, man, I'm trying to, 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 to get something new to you. I'm trying to change your circumstances. I'm trying to make your family better. I'm trying to improve your life, but because you have a clenched fist, I can't do it, man. And and all he's saying is clean house. And maybe if you opened your hand, if you, uh, how about this, if you let go of the things you've held on to with that clenched fist, maybe if you let go, then you can lay hold, like Paul says, of the future I desire for you. So most of us go through life with a clenched fist and we have no capacity and no room for the new thing that God wants to do. And spring cleaning is one of those things that most husbands dread because after wives make room, out comes the debit card, right? Because, you, I mean, you have to fill it, right? I mean, that's what the capacity is for. you got to fill it with new stuff. So what Peter says is clean house. And man, it starts right here. Not with the physical heart, but the spiritual heart. And he talks about four things that if we will get rid of, right, if we will clean house and make sure that those closets and the garage are free of those things, then we can begin to experience all that God has in store for us. So he talks about four things. He talks about Malice, and I'll read this from the message, malice, pretense, envy, and hurtful talk. Four things. I can think of it as the four chambers of the heart, right? Four chambers of the heart. In fact, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said it this way. He said, guard your heart. Guard your heart, for out of your heart flow all the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23. If you're ever going to deal with an issue of life, you know where it emanates from? You know where it originates from? It originates right here, and it depends on the condition of my heart. So when Peter says, clean house, he's saying it's time for some open heart surgery. And when you do that open heart surgery, it's likely you will find one of these four things lurking somewhere in there, clogging up. Your veins. Malice. And and, and here's the deal. We allow these things to stay in our heart for so long that we no longer have capacity or room for what God wants to do. Because we've allowed these other things to crowd out our lives and our hearts. And we no longer have... In fact, I like to think of it this way. You remember that old church hymn? This one... You take another little piece of my heart now, baby. You guys remember that classic church hymn? Yeah, from the 80s. What what we do is uh, uh, we take a little piece of our heart and we give it to malice. I'll never forgive him for what he did. 
So that's a piece of my heart, right? And I devoted, I devoted to unforgiveness. Then I take another piece of my heart and I devote it to malice, right? And what, what malice is, malice is simply delighting in another person's hurt. Oh, they lost their job. <laughs> we celebrate and delight at another person's hurt, right? Or, or, or what about, uh, about envy, right? We envy people and we grovel and we despise another person's good. Man, when life is going well for somebody else, man, that envy just begins. And I take, I take another piece of my heart and I offer it up on the altar of envy. Then we take another piece of our heart and we offer that part of our heart on the altar of hypocrisy. Uh, wow. A few weeks ago, we, the Academy Awards, uh, man, we were handing out awards to people who were most convincing at pretending to be something they're not. We awarded and rewarded hypocrisy because the word hypocrisy in the Greek means an actor. It was the word used to describe a thespian, a professional actor who most of them wore masks. If you've seen any of the original Shakespearean pictures, they all wore masks, right? Hypocrisy is wearing the mask. It, 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 like, like... Most of you, when you drove on this campus, fighting all the way here, and you drove on the campus, you saw the guy waving, and you started smiling, right? You put on the mask. We were good at wearing the mask, right? Even at church, we've become professional at wearing the mask. And we take another piece of this heart, and we offer it up to hypocrisy. And then we take that last piece of our heart, and we offer it up to evil speaking, which really wounds the character of another. And, and all of a sudden, all this stuff is coming out of us, and it's like, where is this coming from? And there's no room left for, for the love of God. There's no room left for the mercy of God to fill our lives. Because we've taken this one solitary heart we have, and we've offered all this stuff up to the wrong things, and God is saying, I want your heart back. Uh, uh, to every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, right? That's physics. Uh, in the kingdom, I like to think of it this way. To every action, there should be an equal but opposite reaction. Man, that means when somebody throws a stone at me and says the wrong thing about me, man, instead of offering my heart up to vengeance and revenge, man, I'm going to dedicate this heart to love. Man, when somebody's doing better than I am, man, I'm going to celebrate their success rather than being envious, right? This is what I say about envy, right? The grass always seems greener on the other side because you can't see the poop from where you're standing. <laughs> could, I, could I say that? I'm sorry, I just, it, it just slipped out of me. Irma Brombeck said it this way, the grass seems greener because it's sitting on someone else's septic tank. Right? It's true. That lurking, lurking, lurking under the surface of what seems perfect and immaculate is a lot of funk, man, and a lot of junk. And God wants to get down to the heart of the matter so that we can be attractive. 
so that there is such a difference and such a distinction about his church that people say that's the solution to what I've been looking for. So first order of business, according to first Peter. Oh, you've got it up there. Thank you. The message. So clean house. Make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy and hurtful talk. Man, when I get into this relation slip series, man, it's going to be so good because I'm going to be talking about uh, about communication. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, I only have 25 minutes. I, I won't I won't take that rabbit trail. But I've been thinking about this stuff and. Man, it's so good, man. It's so good. I wish I could tell y'all. You have to invite me back to hear a little bit more about relation slips. But we're going to talk about six L words, six L words, right? So it's an intentional play on words. Instead of relationships, we're calling it relation slips. And we're going to talk about love week one. The love of God. The love of God. In First John, it says, this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us first. Wow. We're all here this morning because God initiated this love affair with humankind, with humanity. And it cost his son his very life. The greatest love story ever told is not written in the words of William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, nor is it found in the words of Emily Bronte's Withering Heights, right? And it surely isn't Twilight, right, with Edward and Bella, y'all. No, the the greatest love story ever told is right there in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that begins with these words, for God. He initiated this love. You're not here. I'm not here because I loved him. I'm here because he loved me first. And the fact that I'm here is a simple response to God's great love for me. All right. Clean house. Now, I see what time it is, but I don't know what that means in terms of how much time I have. Can anybody help me so I know how to wrap it up? I'm notorious for three closings, right? And I haven't even given you my first closing. So I want to make sure I stay the 25 minutes. Okay, just let me know how much, how much time I have. Okay, spring cleaning. Everybody got that? All right, second thing he says, second thing he says, uh, it says, uh, now like infants at the breast... Drink deep of God's pure kindness. All right, now you've cleaned house. You've got to fill the house. You've got to refill the house, right? You've got to fill it with the right things, right? In fact, when, when, I, when I shared uh, Proverbs 4.23 with you, it says guard your heart. In the Hebrew, it means uh, build a garrison around your heart. Build a fortress around your heart. Uh, the problem with that is you, you, you need to... You need to make sure you know what you're walling in before you wall anything out, right? So make sure you clean house, and then you build your garrison so the right things stay in. Uh, but then you have to fill your heart with the right things, and he says, now like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure love. Here, here's, here's the second point, all right? So, so spring cleaning, all right, clean the house, out with the old, in with the new. Second thing, second thing. Is be childlike, not childish. Ooh, got quiet up in here. Big difference. Jesus said that we don't appropriate, we don't access the kingdom of God except we come with the faith of a child. 
Oh, man, uh, my daughter, <laughs> my daughter's got some crazy faith. For some reason, she thinks that her daddy can do everything, uh, no matter what. She believes that daddy can get it done. Uh, not only in the things she wants, but even, especially, when she's in pain. I have a seven-year-old daughter, and then I have a 16-, 17-month-old son. But when my son's in pain, uh, you know, the first thing he does is he, 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 he reaches toward daddy. You know what I'm saying? Right now, in this moment, my daddy can make the pain go away. So there's a big difference, right? Because there, there's some times when my son responds in childlike faith and says, Daddy, hold me right now and comfort me. And there are times, there are times when that same child is childish and will throw a fit, a tantrum. There's a big difference, y'all. And I think most of, all live, most of us live on the childish side when we throw fits when life doesn't go in our favor. And we get mad at God, and we insist on having our own way when God says be childlike, which is trust, versus being childish, which are the tantrums we throw that are based on self-centeredness. When a child throws a tantrum, they're not thinking about anyone else but themselves. Am I right? Any parents in the house who will testify to that? And how many times in our own lives do we become self-centered? The world revolves around us, right? And we want to have things our way. There's nothing attractive. There's nothing attractive. There's nothing attractive about being childish. The most beautiful thing that you and I could ever do is to be childlike. Like the text says, the next verse, that we desire pure milk. The milk of God's word, which we're communicating today. But the only way this word will ever take root in our hearts and have substance and give life is if we clean house and then put in all the good stuff. Now babies usually meant... You put it in their mouth, they're going to eat it, right? They don't have to reason it out. They don't have to, they're not analytical. And what he's saying here is, is not that you get the basics of the faith, even though that's important, but he said, have a childlike outlook on life, man. Man, most, when you, when you, when you talk to a kid and say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Man, they want to be an astronaut, want to be a doctor. Man, they want to be the next president of the United States. They want to find a cure for AIDS. And then all of a sudden, man, you get to college and you change your major five times on average. Somewhere along the line, somebody stopped believing, right? Because life happens to all of us. This heart that was once so innocent and so childlike and could believe for the universe to infinity and beyond, right? Like Buzz Lightyear. All of a sudden, we stopped believing. Now, I've got this crisp $100 bill. Who would like this $100? I see a hand. A hand went up. Wow. That's childlike faith. He believes that I'm going to give this to him, right? $100 bill. $100 bill. Uh, this is legal tender. 
In fact, in Liberia, where I'm from, the, the U.S. dollar was our national currency until 1982. Uh, a lot of what we did in Liberia is patterned after uh, the U.S., our Constitution, our Pledge of Allegiance, our flag. Our flag is the Lone Star, y'all. Uh, and uh, because we were the first independent African nation, and uh, so we were the star uh, on a dark continent. Um, so this $100 bill, $100 bill, that, that's the way we start off in life, right? Uh, no creases. Okay, this one has a few, a couple of creases because I folded it. But, 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 but you get a fresh, crisp $100. This is how we start out, man, in life. I mean, crisp, clean, no creases, no wrinkles. Man, and then, and then, we, then life happens, right? Uh, oh, wow. I heard mom and dad, their first fight, and... and uh, was it my fault? And then all of a sudden, mom and dad, it, it doesn't work out for them, and, and, and they go their separate ways, and, and oh, man, uh, second wrinkle. And then I go to school, and, uh, and my teacher thinks I'm a dummy, and then I go to, to football practice, and the coach uh, says, man, you're not cut out for this. Uh, you might want to try sewing or crocheting or whatever. And, uh, and, uh, and all of a sudden, this $100 bill is now just a little ball that's, that's, that's wrinkled, right? So I go from believing that I could be the President of the United States, that I could be an astronaut, that I can be a doctor, that I can find the cure for AIDS, that I can be the next Bill Gates, and all of a sudden, man, my life has been reduced to this little ball which was once flawless uh, because I believed everything and I had this childlike faith, and blow after blow, Mike Tyson said it this way, everybody has a plan until they get hit. And he said that in reference to the guys who got in the ring with him. Oh, when I get in the ring with Tyson, man, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to out-jab him, I'm going to outrun him. And he says, everybody has a plan until they get hit. And one hit from Tyson usually knocked the wind out of his opponents. And how many of you realize that sometimes life will hit you so hard, your plan will go out the window? So this is what we have. That child who believes he could do everything is now a freshman in college. Oh, no, 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 no. Maybe he's a junior in college. And he's still undecided about what his major is going to be. Because life has hit him so hard that, uh, that he doesn't know what to believe. Now, this is still a $100 bill. Crushed, broken, abandoned, rejected, despised, passed over for the promotion. Left to, 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 to fend for yourself, abused, divorced, it's still a hundred dollar bill. This crumbled up, wrinkled, ugly hundred dollar bill is still a hundred dollar bill. It will still buy what it could buy before the first crease. Before the first wrinkle, before ever life ever happened to you, you were his prized possession. You were his peculiar people. Before any of this stuff ever happened, whether you were on the receiving end or whether you were the culprit, the perpetrator, before any of that happened, he saw you as a hundred dollar bill and it has not changed and it will not change because you will never lose your value to God. So what he's inviting each of us to do this morning 
is get back to being childlike. Just as that infant desires milk at the mother's breast. There's never a time, my son can eat, y'all. He wore my wife out. And there was never a time that he latched on that he didn't expect to receive something from his mama. And when God calls us to childlike faith, he's saying, clean house. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be crude or crass, but today, 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 I'm, I'm, this is my disclaimer, all right? And you'll understand why I said it, right? But today is a good day. Today is a good day. And I understand we have kids here, but today is a good day to drop some F-bombs on your enemies. You know why I say that? It'll make you feel a whole lot better when you're done. When you say, I forgive you. I choose to forget the past. No, today is a good day right now in this moment to drop some F-bombs. Forgive and forget. You will feel so much better. You remember what it felt like before you knew Jesus and you dropped the real F-bomb and how just the release you felt, right? No, it's so much better when you choose to forgive because, uh, uh, you remember, your house is full, man. There's malice that's living in the guest room. There's envy in the front master bedroom. Man, your whole house, every bathroom is filled with the wrong stuff. And if you choose today to forgive, man, there's one room open. If you choose to forget, there's another room open. And all of a sudden, Jesus moves in and life is so much better. And now, man, uh, there's something so much more attractive about you than before. Uh, three, and final point, taste and see that the Lord is good. He says, for you have tasted that the Lord is good. Man, oh, how do I say this? I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Um, let me just read this, this last verse in the Message Bible, um, if I have it. I don't have it. Can you put uh, verse 10 up there on the Message Bible? Verse number 10. Uh, let's do 9 and 10. But you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for the calling of priestly work, chosen to be holy people or peculiar people. God's instruments, that means God wants to use you. He wants to use you to attract people to him, to do his work and to speak for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. Man, people ought to see the difference, right? You're before Christ's days. You're after Christ's days. Everyone who had an encounter with Jesus walked away different. Whether it was Bartimaeus or Zacchaeus or the woman at the well, every single one had a night and day difference experience. And that's what people are looking for. I mean, whenever you start a new job and tell people you're a Christian, immediately under the microscope. Because if you're as frustrated as the people who don't know Jesus. If your performance on the job is as poor as the people who don't know Jesus, if you're as agitated as the people who don't know Jesus, your neighbors are watching you, see you pack the kids in school every day, and, and then they see you having that 
that fight across the street with your other neighbor and it's, oh, wow, that's his Jesus. I really don't want any of that. Night and day difference he made for you. Next verse. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. Man, I just want you to remember your first taste of Jesus and what that was like. And if you've tasted that, but you've allowed this other stuff to get in and crowd your life, man, it's time for some spring cleaning, right? And take that taste of him again. The psalmist said it this way, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So I want to pray for you as I close. So much more I could say there, but I'm out of time. Man, he just wants you to taste the goodness of God again. Man, I love watching movies, and oh, I just went into my second closing. Right? I love movies, right? So, so one of my favorite things is after I watch the movie, I go to the special features, and, and I go to the deleted scenes. Uh, the deleted scenes are the parts of the movie that didn't make it to the final cut. How about today, when you play back the picture in the movie of your life, you go back and you be the director and you just choose to delete some scenes today. The scenes that are deleted didn't work with the body of the full movie. There are parts of your life that just don't fit anymore. That particular season of your life needs to hit the cutting floor today. Now you have a choice. Uh, Jesus said it this way, in this world you will have trouble, certainty, but I have come that you may have peace, possibility. Now what's the difference? You will have trouble. The fact that I'm a Christian doesn't immunize me or insulate me from trouble. He said you will have trouble. He was talking to his disciples, the 12 guys that followed him. But he said, I have come that you may, there's a possibility, have peace. And the difference is, when it comes to the peace of God, you choose. So, let me pray for you. And uh, let's trust God this morning, man. Uh, I'll just pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, I just pray for your people. Uh, first of all, we acknowledge uh, your word that we are a peculiar people. That we are precious in your sight. That you pursued us. And you purchased us. But you've also purposed us. And that purpose has to do with showing forth your glory. Father, I pray that in the lives of your people today, as we let go and lay hold of what you've called us to, that God, the healing would begin right now. Father, I pray for everyone who, who's had their finger over that delete button, who's just been too hesitant to, to push that button and let go. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they let go of those things that were spoken over them, spoken about them, uh, that they would let go of their own uh, mistakes and, and failures, and that, God, they would clean house today so that, God, you can move in and so we can trust you once again with childlike faith, childlike faith, 
believing today that in spite of the pain, my God, my God can make the pain go away. Just like a little child reaching out for a parent. We reach out to you this morning, God. Heal us from the inside out. We taste this morning and we see that, Lord, you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.